This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Union Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am your host. If you are new to the show, welcome. So glad you're here. Like always, I want to remind you guys that You Need Therapy is a podcast that I host. Yes, I'm a licensed therapist, but on this podcast, I am more just a human who's wanting to bring you some conversations that might help impact how you go out and live your life to the very fullest potential that you can. This is not therapy. It's not a substitute for therapy, but you know, it might encourage you to go get some therapy. So today I'm super pumped because we have a really awesome guest here to talk and teach us some things about nothing other than boundaries, which that is something that I get questions about all the time. You guys have been begging for an episode on boundaries specifically for a while, and I have been hiding this one in my back pocket. So... I want to introduce you to the guest I have. Her name is Terry Cole, and she is a licensed psychotherapist, and she's a global leading relationship expert and author of the book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. I can't wait to get my hands on one of these books because after my conversation with her, I mean, I want to read everything she writes. She's amazing. She's gentle. She's smart. She's strong. And uh, she is just a good human who's out to help people. And those are the kind of people I want on the show. Terry says her mission is to help women stop living out of learned boundary behaviors that don't serve them. And, you know, I don't think this has to be just women. I think this gets to be men and women and all the kinds of people that are in the world. So, Today, you're going to hear a lot. We talk, we kind of bounce all over the place. But what I want this to be is a starting off point for you guys. If you're connecting with some of the stuff, then maybe you get her book or maybe you talk about it in your own therapy process or maybe you just start 
thinking about how boundaries have served or not served you. But Terry's awesome. And I could have talked to her for about 20 years, but you know, we had one hour. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope you learned something. I hope it touches you in some way. And you know, I hope you guys are having the day you need to have. Here is my conversation with Terry Cole. I'm so excited this morning to uh, be having this conversation with my guest, Terry Cole. Hello. Welcome. Well, I can't. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're definitely going to talk about a lot of stuff, including boundaries, but I was just doing a little bit of research on you <laughs> and I discovered something that I want to kind of start with. And it, it sure. seems like being a therapist, because you're a psychotherapist and mm -hmm. you're an expert in boundaries and you do a lot with relationships, but I found that this was your second career. Indeed. Okay. I would love to hear you talk because this is something that I hear in my office all the time. Therefore, I know it's a huge thing in the world of people feeling like they're stuck in a career, but it's too late to switch, which is going to round out about boundaries anyway. But I want to hear you talk about what that was like for you and that process of knowing there's something more. I think that especially if you become successful, mm -hmm. it's really hard. For me, I was sort of, you know, according to my father at the time, I was like at the top of my entertainment game. He's like, mm -hmm. wait, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And I was like, hey, there's no good time. But for me, it was a process of my own therapeutic journey, my own life journey. I stopped drinking when I was you know, young. I started therapy at 19, stopped drinking at 21. So I was like, eyes very wide open. I had a very busy social life prior to that um, <laughs> from 12 to 21. Trust me, I got it all in. But then I started the therapeutic process, my mm -hmm. own process, and I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. it was like a secret. I was like, how come nobody told me that it's not like we're stuck with the hand that we're dealt with. We can change anything that literally we're all just kind of making this up as we go. Mm -hmm. That was such a profound realization at such a young age. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, it doesn't matter what came before me. It doesn't matter my family of origin. Like I can actually carve out my own way in this world and nothing is written in stone. And that was incredibly liberating. But of course I needed to figure out in what way was I getting in my own way mm -hmm. for these things. So I went through this therapeutic process, got into entertainment, loved it and hit mm -hmm. entertainment the way I did everything, which is just like, I'll just work longer, harder, more than other people and I will find my way. So my ambition was something that I always could count on because I, I knew how to work hard and I wasn't afraid to. Yeah. And yet what I didn't know is that my ambition wasn't really driven by my passion or necessarily, or I just want to get to the top. Really through the therapeutic process, I realized I thought I was running towards something. You know what I mean, Kat? I was like, I'm going to my goal. What I realized in therapy is I was actually running away from something and that really a lot of my ambition was fear and proving myself. I had a dad who had a bunch of daughters and probably should have had a son. I was his fourth daughter. So I was really proving some gender thing, like I'm gonna be more successful than any boy you could have had. And it got to the point within my career where I kept thinking, well, the next job, the next money, the more celebrity clients, the more travel private, yeah. the more things. 
that that was going to really provide the feeling I was seeking. And then I got, you know, you get to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Listen, I wasn't like, you know, wasn't running the world, but, you know, I was doing well, especially at my age. I was running the New York office of a bi-coastal talent agency, negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities. So, you know, you definitely look like a shiny job Mm -hmm. to others for sure. But when I got there and the feeling I was hoping would be there, and then I really had to be like, okay, you don't want to do this, but what do you want to do? And really, I had to just be honest and say, all I care about is the mental health of my clients. All I'm doing mm-hmm. is getting people into therapy, women into eating disorder clinics, mm-hmm. drug treatment clinics. This is literally all I care about. So I need to leave this job before I start super sucking at this job. And before I, I behave like lower than my own professional integrity. And it was scary. And I probably knew I needed to leave, I would say at least two and a half years or maybe three before I did. So anyone who was thinking about leaving, like, Mm -hmm. trust me, I'm not saying, hey, think about it, it's easy. Mm -hmm. But you can definitely do it. Because here's the thing, every moment that we waste being like, I don't know, you know, the things I considered, right? Can I be poor again? The answer was, yep. Money was not the thing. I always want money for freedom. I always want money to do good works. But I never was the person, like I never was like, oh, maybe I want to buy a Hummer or something. Like, And I'm not judging anyone who has a fucking Hummer. I'm just saying. That wasn't you. For me, right? It wasn't those things. Money was freedom to continue my education, to travel, to have life experiences. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm not necessarily, because you you would have thought after all those years of doing that, that I would have had a lot of money in the bank, but I literally had none. So Mm. I just spent it all traveling and doing what I wanted to. I'm way better now with money, (laughs) but I just didn't care then. So I was like, wow, I think I have $900 in the bank. So I'm going to quit my job. I'm not quitting therapy. I'm not quitting my gym. So I figured out how to make enough money to pay my rent because it was rent stabilized with 900 bucks at the time. That's unbelievable. I was on West 68th Street. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because obviously now that studio apartment with the beautiful skylights is probably three grand a month for a studio. Right. Can you imagine? It was $900 a month. Anyway, I figured out how to make enough money for my therapy, my gym, and my rent. I didn't leave. Like I was going to leave. I tried to leave and they were like, no. So I actually stayed on running the agency remotely for the entire time that I was in grad school at NYU, which was an accelerated program. It was crazy. I have no idea how I did any of that. Now I think about it. I'm like, what? How did that happen? But it was amazing. And I was in this learning curve of, I was so um, lit up. I was so energized by what I was learning. I knew it. I took one uh, course. I took two courses non-matriculating before I like committed to the full mm-hmm. thing. I took, um, it was two psychology courses. Mm-hmm. Oh, abnormal psych one and two. Those will get you. <laughs> I was like, dude, I want to do this forever. Yeah. And I was for the first time in so long, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I can do something amazing in the world. There's got to be something more valuable I can be doing than making supermodels richer, even though I love them and they're lovely, but they really didn't need me to be doing that. And it felt like this shit cannot be my dharma. It's something else has to be. So anyway, that's why I left. That's how I left. Does that help? Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you know, when I heard you talking, even as you're getting to the part of the story where you like went to school, it's like, you can tell I felt something different. Like, I never was somebody who like loved going to school every day in college. But then Mm -hmm. when you turn that corner and you're starting to go to learn about things that you actually care about, it's like something's lit up. And the cool thing is 
I'm lit up by learning about the mind and the body and psychology and the brain and all that. And so are you. And then some people are mm-hmm. lit up by learning about science and and what anatomy and all of that. And some people are lit up by marketing and business strategies. And no, none of them are better than the other, but it's important to be able to pay attention to this lights me up. That's something signaling. This is where my feet need to be right now. Absolutely. And, you know, part of if people are listening or watching or whatever, where they're like, you know, I'm not lit up by what I'm doing, but I don't know what I am lit up by. I always say, what magazines do you read? What television Mm -hmm. shows do you watch? What would you do for free? What are you doing when time is like that transcendent experience where you're like, oh my God, three hours just went by. What? That would lead you. You know, that's, I mean, I, I actually worked in the garment center before I became, I was in entertainment and that's how I did it. I looked I, every single day. I got on the friggin' bus. I, I had that woman's wear daily that I never cracked open. Not one time did I read that daily hmm. paper because I didn't friggin' care. Yeah. That's it. I didn't care. And I was like, all right, but then what do you care about? What do you read? I was like mm-hmm. People Magazine, Vanity Fair, Variety, even the trades I was reading long before I was in entertainment because I was so interested in people's stories. And I was like, I don't know how anyone gets a job in this business, but that's what I want to do. And then someone I knew, my boyfriend at the time was like, oh my God, remember Jen? She's working at this, I think it'd be a good talent agent. I was like, is that a friggin' job somebody can do? Because sign me up if it is. Mm -hmm. And that is really how I got out of the garment center to do that. But it also requires a certain amount of taking a risk mm-hmm. and being really mindful that you don't end up in some kind of financial handcuffs that you're not living so close to, like you're not maxed out financially. And that I find with a lot of my clients over the you know 25 years I've been a therapist is something that if you're living too above your means or too close to it, you really don't have freedom unless you're me and you just quit anyway. But I mean, my feeling is I wouldn't suggest that to anyone, right. you know? So yeah. you gotta be mindful of like, do you have money in the bank so that if you did wanna quit? Because I knew becoming a psychotherapist I wasn't just going to be like, hi, here's my plaque. And now I'm making 200 grand a year. Like it I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> you have to build your practice. Yeah. But I knew I could do other things. I was like, well, I'll teach. My friend was like, have you ever taught before? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, but I'm going to teach acting because everyone does. Every agent teaches once they're not an agent anymore. So that's what I did at NYU. I think also the the ability for you to stay in your job and go to school, I think that is something too for people to think about is how do I work on this thing that lights me up while I still have stability to be able to work on this thing that lights me up. So I think that's one avenue. It doesn't have to be the like fairy tale dream in the movie where the person just quits their job and then the next day lands into a perfect situation. Yep. It doesn't look that way. I, Cat, I, I totally agree. But I also think a really powerful reframe is looking at your day job now, if it's not what you want it to be, and see it as like the best survival job going. Start banking money. Like start really being like, I'm going to build a a net Mm -hmm. so that I can figure out what it is I want to do. And and taking those steps, instead Mm -hmm. of looking at your job like I'm trapped, look at it like just a money factory, just, just money. Yeah. Put it in the bank give yourself some liberation and then look at where, how how do I need to live? Mm -hmm. What is essential in my living situation? And listen, it's a little bit more difficult, of course, very much more difficult if people are married and kids, if you're the sole provider, I get all of those things. And yet there's still a way Mm -hmm. because in the end of the end, on your deathbed, no one is going to be like, wow, I super wish I spent more hours at a job that I friggin' hated. Like nobody is saying that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
It, yes, maybe it's hard. Yes, maybe loans. Yes, maybe whatever, but you can figure it out. You really yeah. can. Well, and that speaks to internal boundaries and being able to like have a goal. And then when I say I'm going to do something, do it. Because something that I know you talk about in your work and in your book is, and you mentioned it earlier, is choices, having a choice. And so many times it feels like I hear, and I've, I've been here in certain parts of my life before of, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But really what they're saying is I won't. I won't make that deal with myself. I won't set that boundary with myself. It might be too hard in my head, but there's all these roadblocks, but they don't have to be roadblocks. So right. how do you suggest and how do you work with people around that who just in their head, they've made up their minds that whatever it is that is stuck in my life, I'm stuck here. How do you help them switch that? Well, part of it is if, if we're stuck, there's a reason. So, and psychological. So I have this little tool that I'll give you guys right now that you can use. Okay. And it's just asking yourself this, this really simple question, which is what do I get to not face, not feel, or not experience by staying stuck here? So it's a secondary gain question. Yeah. Right? Because we are, humans are very adaptive. Yeah. And if there wasn't something in it, unless there are psychological issues, mm -hmm. unless there's physical, you know, listen, if, if there mm -hmm. are other challenges, right, this might sound simplified, but I've been using it with clients for two and a half decades. And I'm telling you, it is so revealing. What do I get to not face, mm -hmm. not feel, or not experience by staying stuck here? So quick example is I had a client who couldn't stop drinking. Now, meaning she wasn't um, traditional alcoholic. She was drinking a lot. This is during the pandemic. And She's, she would say to me, come in, you know, we would do our, our um, session and she would say, I'm going to stop drinking during the week. And I'm like, great, I'll support you in that. And then she would fail. So she would not drink Monday. And then Tuesday, she would have three big girl glasses of wine at night. And I'm like, all right, so there's more to this than this. Because it's not, you know, when people, we love to be mean to ourselves and be like, if I just had more willpower, it'd all be great. If I, if I just wasn't so lazy, it, I'm like, it's not those things. Yeah. Trust me. So this happened two weeks in a row. And I was like, listen. Let's stop setting you up to fail. What do you get to not face, not feel, and not experience by doing what you're doing, right? By drinking, you know? And she said, I get to not face the state of my marriage. Was she able to answer that immediately? No, in one session though. Okay. So in the beginning, she was like, I don't know. I think I'm just, I just need a break. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just stressed. I think I'm, you know, and then I was like, okay, but let's just, um, we're going to keep doing it. It's almost like a Meisner technique. I'm going to keep asking mm -hmm. and you're going to close your eyes, allow your mind to find the answer because I knew there was an answer. I actually was a little bit surprised because she hadn't talked that much. And I, she, so she was in denial of how bad things had gotten in her marriage, you know, so she wasn't even really bringing it. This was, the oh. drinking was a representation because it was safer, it was less threatening to be like, what's wrong with me? I can't stop drinking. Then being like, oh my God, I've known all this crap with this guy. Like I, I can't, I can't really, so many things to deal with. But of course, once we got to that, then we could figure out the actual problem and get to yeah. what the solution needed to be for her. First of all, I freaking love the questions you ask because again, this happens with all of us, we all have things that we do, or we all have things that we say. And a lot of times what I will say, which I'm going to use this in sessions all the time now, because what I will say is, <laughs> I say, what are you getting out of what you're doing? Because do not tell me that you get nothing out of drinking every day, because you wouldn't keep doing it if you didn't. Yep. 
Like yeah. you can't, that would be a lie. There has to be a reason you're doing it. And you hear, no, I'm just worthless. Or like, I, it's just the things that you said, it's just my willpower. I get nothing. I get nothing. This sucks. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. But those questions, I mean, even in the way and the cadence you say them allow you to drop it into, okay. And even closing my eyes, if I had to answer this question, a lot of times I'll, when people are like, I don't know, I'll go, well, if you did know. It's so funny. I was <laughs> literally just thinking, I was just going to say the exact same thing. Because a lot of times yeah. we think we don't know. Mm-hmm. And yet you do. So if you do know, what would it be? If you had to guess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like there's all different interventions, as you know, mm-hmm. of getting people to access stuff Mm -hmm. that feels threatening in a safe way, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think that that you will find with your clients, it is so effective because secondary gain, if we think about what is the Mm -hmm. concept of secondary gain, it is the unobvious gain for staying in situations that are unwanted, whether they're within ourselves that has to do with internal boundaries, whether they're with other people, Mm -hmm. right? So there are more emotional boundaries or physical boundaries, Yeah, you know? Yeah, well, I think that humans, and that's where you invite compassion into these things, is as humans, we don't do things for no reason. Like, we're all trying to survive in whatever that looks like, and so there has to be something. The problem is then that you get to is if now I realize, well, I do this to avoid my marriage. Well, shoot. Now we have to actually, if you want to feel better, if you want to live a fuller life, then we have to actually look at what the actual issue is. That's yes. probably going to take a lot more effort and pain and digging in than just stopping yep. drinking. It's true. But what I always say, because I don't want when people discover things, mm-hmm. especially codependents, especially type A, especially overfunctioners, they feel like, holy crap, now I know this. I have to do something. Yeah. I always say, listen, you don't have to do or change anything. Because I know that Mm. they will get to their own readiness. But if they think that the moment they have this realization, they must take action that they are super not ready to take. I'm always like, hey, we're just gathering information. And I also say to my clients, you can choose to have these, like you can have these realizations. And you are always in charge because it's your life. I'm not projecting onto them what I want for them, right? I had a client once who was like in in pretty much of a loveless relationship with the guy who was a dentist. This is like the weirdest story, but it's true. And she would complain about him or whatever. And I was like, you don't have to marry. They were engaged. It was like, you don't have to get married. <laughs> like, yeah. clearly, I'm not telling you something new, but you don't have to. And she was like, you know what, Terry? Part of my dream was I always wanted to marry a doctor or a dentist. So I'm definitely getting married. And I was like, cool. Then I think we have to get clear about what you're signing on for. So this level of satisfaction that you feel today, because you're getting married in two months, if the level of satisfaction you feel today will sustain you for the rest of your life, what if it never got one iota more? Mm -hmm. You never felt one iota happier or more interested in this person. That's what you're signing on for. So as long as your eyes are wide open, like who am I to judge? If she were my daughter, my friend, my sister, of course, I wouldn't want that for her. Mm -hmm. But again, that would be me judging that that was wrong. She grew up very poor. She really loved the security of being with someone with money. Like it's not for me to judge, right? And it's not for me to decide as the therapist what's right for you. Unless someone's like shooting heroin or wanting to stay in an abusive relationship, then I'm gotta be like the dude, I'm I'm out. Like I will help you as much as I can, but I can't hang around, you know? What'd she end up doing? Getting married. That speaks to 
the idea that as a therapist, and I think this is a common misconception with people that aren't in the field, when you go to see a therapist and you go to work on whatever you're working on, you're going to work on whatever you're going to work on. Our lives remain the same. And mm-hmm. I ha- might have certain morals and values and goals of for my life that I think would bring me happiness. I also realize that that's not where everybody else lands. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, if she was your sister or your this or your that, you might interact different in those conversations and you might oh, you be more would. vocal. You- yeah, but sh- she's not. And we as as helpers are helping people reach what they want. If that's what she wants, that is what she wants and that's allowed to be okay. And I say that just for anybody listening that just because you go to a therapist, it doesn't mean you're going to have to live what they consider a level of health when it doesn't. I mean, like you said, if somebody's shooting up heroin, I'm going to say like, we can't keep doing this. We're going to get you into treatment. But when it comes to what we want in our love lives, like, yeah, if that's what you want, that gets to be what you want. Yeah, I always say like as a therapist, my job is to help you get what you want in life. Yes. Most people want to be happy, right? Most people want harmony, inner peace, evolution. Yeah. Not all though. And so I feel like, I mean, I don't really have a private, I mean, I have a couple of high profile clients now, but I mean, generally my my actual private practice is done. That was a client who I'd had for a long time though. Mm, So some of them, you just feel like- I have to, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Where you're like, I know I'm sort of closing this part of my practice, but- Okay, whatever. But yeah, I've known you for uh, yeah. 15 years. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extra extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so I want to switch gears somewhat and talk more Mm. explicitly about just boundaries in general, because you have Mm -hmm. this awesome book, Boundary Boss, and I talk about boundaries probably more than anything else, because they are part of everything. So I want to start this off with how would you say or formulate or define what a healthy boundary is? And why are they important? Well, let's just talk about boundaries in general. Start with that. My definition is 
it basically is you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. So when you have healthy boundaries, you know what those things are, preferences, desires, limits, deal breakers, Mm -hmm. and you have the ability to readily communicate them and when you so choose. So because I feel like there is a lot of confusion about what it means to have good boundaries and there's a lot of myths that you have to be mean and you have to be selfish. And what people are always misunderstanding is that someone with rigid boundaries, the world thinks that's what someone looks like when they have good boundaries. So rigid boundaries are too inflexible. My way or the highway that's um, withdrawing. If you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to punish you, you know? So that's not what it is. Now the the name of the book, right, is Boundary Boss, because a boss is someone who is masterful. And when you're masterful, you can do any and all of this with ease, with grace, with kindness, kindness. with love, when appropriate. So if someone being a boundary boss meant that you had to become bitchy, it would be called Boundary Bully would be the name of the yeah. book, which it isn't. So I think that we have to look at the, those myths that mm-hmm. we have been, as women, I'm sorry, I don't care what country. I, mean, I, I put hundred no, 205 countries. Women from 205 countries at this point have come through my Boundary Boot Camp course. Mm. And nobody has ever been like, oh my God, yeah, over here in Egypt, I learned all about boundaries. Nobody learned them <laughs> anywhere. It doesn't matter, country, culture, especially women. We are yeah. raised and praised for being, to be self-abandoning codependents. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. So not only did no one teach us, this is like, you know, a language. Look at healthy boundaries like a language. You wouldn't feel bad about yourself if you were like, I really want to be fluent in Mandarin. I must be so dumb that I'm not, or I must be weak that I don't know. Get someone to teach you by this friggin' book right here, boundarybossbook.com. That's where you can get it with a million bonuses. It's a language that you have to learn. And then being raised as women, we're taught that femininity in this traditional gender normative, I don't even know if that's gender normative is the right way to say it, but way it's like, give anyone the shirt off your back. She's so nice. Like being nice is like this highest virtue that ever exists. So we end up saying yes when we want to say no under the guise of wanting to be nice. Okay. Could we just look at the facts? Saying yes when you want to say no. Is that nice? No, No, it's It's just lying. It's bullshit. And it's also, and P.S. I was the biggest boundary disaster in my 20s. So I'm judging no one. That's why I wrote this book. The biggest tragedy in all of that though, is that people don't know us, right? Yeah. I want to take a second and just say everything you just said is so, what's the word? Like calming to hear and validating to hear because people do feel bad about themselves. That, that metaphor of, would you think you're dumb if you didn't know Mandarin, if nobody ever taught you. Like it's, it's essentially, we were raised and taught to live this way. So why should we be mad at ourselves for not living this way? So I just wanted right. to stop and say that I think hearing that feels very nice, mm-hmm. because this work that comes with, okay, I'm gonna learn how to set boundaries. It's really tough. And you can get really down on yourself. And it's nice to come from a place of, hey, you're learning a new language. So it's going to take some time and you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to do it over and over and you're going to have to ask for help and you're going to have to check things. Mm -hmm. So that was just a really nice, thank you for saying all of that because that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people, I think. I want you to look at it though. Anyone who's listening, anyone who's watching, everything is baby steps. And the way that I teach it in the book and the way that I teach it in my courses is that we go way in, right? We learn all about your downloaded boundary blueprint. Like you 
Kat and me, we, we all relate very specifically to boundaries because of the people who raised us, the adults in our life. So if you had a maternal impactor, as I call them, who was a people pleaser, you're like, okay, there's my model of what I'm supposed to be. If you had a maternal impactor who was like an ice queen, who was kind of mean, that people were afraid of, who was cutting or whatever, you're like, okay, that's the way I'm supposed to be. You know, that's yeah. all boundary stuff. Yeah. And, you know, something I struggle with as just a human mm-hmm. and I love social media and I love how accessible information is now for people, including this podcast. I love all of that. But also there is the misconception with that of what it looks like to be a strong, independent woman with boundaries. It does come off as like the the like boss bitch kind of thing. It's like you don't have to be a bitch to be a boss. You yep. might look different than the people pleaser. But I think that's something that I struggle seeing a lot of it feels very, I'm trying to think of an example of something I saw. I get like really Mm -hmm. hot about these things when I see them and I want to be like, don't post that. But it's like, (laughs) I like the idea behind things. Like if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. I believe that. But also there is a way to have boundaries and not just cut people off all the time and cut things off all the time. So can you talk about like, what is the difference between a healthy boundary and what's the difference between being just this rigid human being? Yes. Healthy boundaries, there's a certain amount of flexibility. And we're talking about responding instead of reacting. And that's probably the key is that we have to slow down. And so much of the beginning of this process of going inward, and as I'm walking you through taking an inventory, understanding what are your pain points? Because yours are different. Like, where are you falling down on yourself or on your own boundaries or whatever? Where do you feel like, are you a pushover, a peacekeeper? I actually have a free quiz that people can take at boundaryquiz.com. And it will tell you what your archetype is, which kind of gives you a baseline of like, do you lean more towards, as you're saying, the rigid? Because there's only, you, you have rigid boundaries, which are too inflexible. Mm-hmm. You have um, porous boundaries, which are too flexible. And then you have healthy boundaries. So we're always seeking to be somewhere in the middle, right? I take into consideration everything before, Mm -hmm. but we have to know ourselves. And I think that in the beginning of this process, I had readers do this massive list called the okay and not okay list. And really in the beginning, it's, it's easier to sort of identify like what's not okay, like what's not working in all areas of your life, friendships, romantic, home, your, your surroundings, whether it's your apartment or a house, your job, how you're living, and everything down to, you know, as small as the lighting in your office, let's say, because there are so many things that we can change, but we haven't learned to prioritize our own preference. We think that being like, it's no big deal, you know me, easy breezy, no fuss, no muss, you're like, okay, but that means you're never telling people who you actually are, and it's the small things. When you think about your preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. Those are actually the things that make you, you. So when we feel like we're constantly um, self-abandoning to be like, I don't want to make a big deal. It's fine. That's okay. They need it more. I'll be last on my own list every effing day, all the time, every day. What ends up happening is that, of course, that represents disordered boundaries, Mm -hmm. emotional, physical, financial. There's a whole thing. But what you're really doing is literally buying a ticket to get on this train and this train has one stop and it's called Bitterland. Like 
there is no way that you will not end up being a bitter martyr. You will, because yeah. you can do this for, trust me, I did it all of my 20s. You can do it for a period of time and be like, this is cool. Resentful. Yeah. And then we're looking out. Like, I can't believe Betty. She's so entitled. She's so nervy. She, I can't believe she would now. Keep in mind, you friggin' trained Betty. You trained Betty to yes. expect all the things from you. Yes. Right? Yes. And then you're like, I, Betty, no. This is about you. And we can change. We can re renegotiate mm -hmm. these relationships and the things that we've been doing. And so I teach you this process throughout the book, slowly but surely, right? And, and it's different. We have, I have different strategies that I teach you, mm -hmm. depending on whether you're talking to a boundary first timer, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who you've never asked them, you've never you know, sh you know, shared a limit or a preference with them before. And then we have the repeat offenders. And then I have a whole entire chapter on the boundary destroyers, because that's mm -hmm. a whole different ball of wax. Mm -hmm. People with, uh, you know, cluster B personality disorders mm -hmm. a lot of times, but these are people who they're, the regular rules of engagement and the boundary mm -hmm. rules that I teach you in the book really don't apply yeah. to these people because these are people who are emotional predators, whether it's because they're ill, whether it's because they're mean, I, I'm, whatever. I mean, like the end of the end is it's not for me to judge them. My job is wanting to protect the people reading the book and teach mm -hmm. you to protect yourself from someone. If someone has shown you that when you tell them something important to you, that they will throw it back in your face later. Hi, stop telling them important things. I don't care if it's your mother. <laughs> I don't care if it's your lover. Yeah. I don't care if it's your sister because they've already said to you, oh, you know what? I am emotionally mm -hmm. untrustworthy. Yep. I am an unsafe person. Mm -hmm. So you can stop telling them, but I also say, have the conversation because this means becoming a boundary boss mm -hmm. where you can say, oh, that makes me not want to tell you anything important because I told you that in confidence and you just used it against me to control me. So no thanks and mm. don't mind if I don't. Well, yes. And when you said, well, it's it, whether it's your mom or it goes back to us not having choices or being polite. It's like, well, I can't do that. It's my mom. Well, you can. You can choose not to. You can. It's not, right. It might not be easy, but you can do that. If that's continuing to not work for you, if it works for you, that's fine. If you don't mind her continuing to run over you, but it just sounds like you don't like this relationship that you have built. Yeah. So you can change it. It just would, it would come with consequences, but also it would come with you gaining something too. So that's important to look at. It's the child within though. I mean, so much of, of the work and so much of the disordered boundaries yeah. that people continue to experience and employ has to do with unresolved stuff from childhood, yeah. which is why the entire beginning of the book mm -hmm. and this whole process is we really have to know what is going on underneath the surface. And the only way to know is to go, okay, so how, how do I know when a boundary has been crossed? How do I know when there's been a boundary violation? How do I know what my, my rights are? Because mm -hmm. that is a big thing that people are always like. I think it's always the nicest people who are like, I feel like I'm being unreasonable. I'm like, uh, you're not. I'm, I'm worried that I'm being mean. I was like, trust me, it's always the mean people who are never friggin' worried about being mm -hmm. mean. <laughs> Amen. I'm like, yeah. you're not. Trust me, you need to be doing this thing. But there's a lot with codependency and we need to unpack those things. Mm -hmm. Because so so people are like, just give me all the scripts. And listen, I have a whole entire chapter of scripts yeah. towards the end of the book though. Yeah. And I'm like, I could give you the perfect words for every day of the week. 
if you do not understand the original injuries that are driving dysfunctional boundary behaviors, maybe one time it'll work, but it will not consistently work because the injury needs your attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you give the injury the attention that it needs, which is really child you, then you will understand that when a client says, I can't, right? Who's saying I can't? Mm -hmm. There's seven-year-old dealing with probably a narcissistic or abusive mother mm -hmm. because that seven-year-old could only say, I can't, because yeah. they're not like, hi, I'm going on Craigslist and getting a room share. Like you're just the, you know, kids are the ultimate yeah. captive audience where you're just friggin' screwed. And so these adaptive functioning, this yeah. behavior that we learned in childhood to stay safe, to be in less pain, to not be rejected by our, the adults in our life, they become maladaptive in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And yet we, we never, I'm like, oh, hey, is this still working? Because most people don't even know because these are unconscious processes, as you know. Well, okay, so two things. Have you heard the, me the story of the metaphor with the log and the river? I don't think so. Okay, so this is something that I, I use a lot. And this is okay. talking about what you said, what you just said. So imagine you're like swimming in a river and it's fine and then all of a sudden this like storm comes and there are all these rapids and you're like drowning you can swim but yep. it's so bad that yep. you're drowning you oh, find yeah, no. <laughs> i you do know, know but just tell okay. it anyway okay, tell. it's so funny so then you grab onto the log and the log you flow and you get through the storm and it keeps you alive then the storm passes and you're still holding onto the log because you're so afraid if you let go of the log then you're gonna yes. drown and die when really yep. all you have to do is let go of the log walk to the shore and you can go on with your life. And that's what you're saying, like in your childhood, the maladaptive way that you set or have boundaries or whatever the behaviors you have are, are survival. Like you are doing what you know best to do based on your environment and getting your needs mm -hmm. met and feeling safe. The problem is in adulthood, you're not in the river with a storm. Right. You might be in a different storm, but you're not in that storm. And so that exactly. log is now holding you back rather than mm -hmm. allowing it and helping you. So that's exactly what you're saying. And it's finding the courage to like let go of, of the log and, and see if you can <laughs> swim, maybe just for like five seconds. And then you can grab back onto the log if you freak out. But allowing yourself, you don't have to jump head first, but find a way to gently ease yourself in yeah. to the water again. And I also was thinking about when you were saying that, a lot of times we think about these like big stories when you think about like childhood mm -hmm. abuse and neglect but these boundaries in the way that you're interacting in your relationships could be from a very more covert emotional neglect that you felt as a mm -hmm. kid where like from the outside you wouldn't even know that you were neglected in any way mm -hmm. your mom your dad might not know that they even did anything but it was still there and that's, I think, one of the hardest things to move through. Because it's like, no, no, my mom was always there. My dad was always there. Or, no, no, I had a great childhood. And I'm like, you might have had a really great childhood. And it doesn't mean that your needs were always met in the way that you really needed them to be met. Mm -hmm. I, I think that another thing is thinking that when we're looking at parental stuff, you know, we feel very protective of our people. Yeah. And, and you, especially when you, if you were a child who was parentified, mm -hmm. you want to be like, but I know that my mom had, she had a terrible childhood. She did way better than her parents did. And it, it happened so long ago and it does. So I always say, listen, we're not judging. Maybe they did the best they could. Maybe they didn't. I have no fucking idea, but we don't care yeah. because what we care about is now and now this is just information. Mm -hmm. Like we're just going to go gather the data mm -hmm. that we need to get you out of dysfunction prison. Yeah. 
That's it. So go back to the log for a second. I want you to think of the log as something that not only, um, we're not just going to make you let go of the log, the thing that made you feel safe. We're going to give you a friggin' boat or like floaties or like something that will actually benefit your life now. And there's nothing wrong with feeling like you need the boat. I would always say to my clients, you know, I'm feeling like you need the log. You know, Mm -hmm. I would always say to my clients, this thing you think you need this thing that they're doing, whether it's working themselves to death or whatever. I'm like, it's like a whoopee. It's like a blankie, but it has like SOS pads and like glass shards in it. And you're telling me it's keeping you warm. And I'm like, but your arms are bleeding. Yeah. It's not keeping you warm. It's making you bleed. Like you yeah. don't need this. And so, you know, of course, as you're doing the, the deeper work as well. Mm-hmm. But I always try to come up with analogies and the same thing with the book. It's all mm-hmm. written in the same way where how to make what could be very complicated theoretical stuff, psychological mm-hmm. stuff. How do we boil it down to just what you need? Mm-hmm. Just what you need to know. So what I did is I actually created a course five years ago and mm-hmm. I first, I workshopped it. So I beta tested it for the first time with 52 women. And now thousands of women have gone through it, but I took every single bit of the feedback where they were like, this was amazing. I don't know. This thing didn't do that much. I was like, that thing's out. Goodbye. So what is in the book is literally just what rose to the top again and again and again with each graduating class. Then I would hear from people four years later being like, oh my God, that thing that, you know what I mean? Like you see how having healthy boundaries knowing how to take care of yourself, prioritizing your own preferences, your own pleasure, that conceptually itself can change your life. But if you really want to do the work, I've done the best that I possibly can. And, you know, thousands of people think think it works. Mm-hmm. It, it's really about, is it effective? You know, listen, it's entertaining. And yes, I'm sharing, there's, you know, every single chapter has stories, client stories, my own personal stories, because I just feel like I always learn with a story better than someone, you know, just going on and on and on, breaking something down. You're like, okay, I get it. But if you would just give me an example, I would really understand. And I, my, my dharma, my hope, my dream, my, my life's purpose is to make this evolutionary process accessible to as many people as possible of all genders, of all races, of all countries, of all cultures, right? Because when I was a therapist, like, you know, I, I, by the end of my therapy practice, I was, I was more coaching. It was all on, you know, month. It, it was no longer the way that it had been. Most people couldn't afford that. And even my courses, some of them people, a thousand dollar course, an $800 course, a $500 course. I wanted a book so that I could A, give as many away as I wanted to for people who couldn't even, maybe you couldn't afford $15, but you still have a right to this information and this information will still change your life, you know? So that was really my goal, my heart. Yeah, and I think that it will, and it is doing that. And we are about to be out of time, so I don't wanna get into something and then have to cut it off. It's making me think about, because you work mostly with women, I work mostly with women and the other thing that I want, maybe we'll do this in the future. I hear a lot and I see a lot in my even like friendships, not just my clients, but this continuation of I keep dating the same people. Mm. I'm not finding this. Yes. Let's do an IG live on, okay. your, on your IG 
live channel thing and let's do it. Because it is a boundary thing. Mm-hmm. That, that is an internal boundary thing. It's also a repetition. Yes. So yeah. this is, I call them repeating relationship realities, repeating mm-hmm. boundary realities, where based on Freud's repetition compulsion, we're repeating it even though we don't want to. Mm-hmm. There is a way to understand. I'm going to quickly hit it right, right here, okay. right now, and then we'll do something more expensive. Okay. Where if you find yourself, I keep dating the same person, if that's you, you're going to ask yourself these three questions. Who does this person remind me of? Mm-hmm. Where have I felt like this before? Mm-hmm. How or why is this behavioral dynamic, the way I'm relating and interacting with this person, how is it familiar to me? You may have seen it with your parents. A fourth question, and you can write this in the show notes yeah. if you would for them because so they don't have to take notes, is... When I'm in this either stuck place with this person or when I'm pursuing this person and they're running away from me or or the other way around, whatever it is, who do I become metaphorically and who do they become? You might become your punitive parent. They might become 10-year-old you. You might become 10-year-old you and they become your punitive parent. When we can see that we are repeating something, what happens is we, we have something now that's on our side of the street that we need to clean up. Mm-hmm. We need to go, huh, well, I'm, so, because here's my, here's my theory. I don't know if anyone else ever said it. This is just my psychological theory. You can only talk things out or act things out. That's it. Mm. So if you're not in therapy talking it out, we still have to work this crap out. Mm-hmm. So then we will act it out in our relationships and in our life, not realizing that we're having a transference. Mm -hmm. So those questions, it's called the three cues for clarity. This is that tool that I just gave you. That's basically to help you identify where and when you are having an emotional transference, which means you are reacting in this moment, being driven by unresolved injury past something, some Mm -hmm. charge from the past, because this person reminds you, or it's striking some familiar chord that is unconscious. You're not aware of that yet. Mm -hmm. When I first learned this whole concept, I was like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? I cannot believe it was a whole, I was in, I was in a job and I hated this guy. And I was like complaining to my therapist about it. And I was like, he's a jerk. He's like this. He's like that. I hate him. I was avoiding him. I was jumping. I mean, I was already in grad school when this happened. And she was like, uh, dude, can you describe this person again? And of course I describe him like, you know, Brooks Brothers suit wearing Wall Street Journal reading, Martini, probably golfs, like that. Just a judgmental jerk. She was like, uh, who did you just describe? And I was like, oh my God, my father. Yeah. Like I would grow up terrified of my father. I had a boss who I did not even know. Mm-hmm. And I was in school to become a therapist at this point. Mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't 15. I was like 30. Like, mm-hmm. It was so obvious, but the transference can feel so real. Mm-hmm. The reason, of course, we don't want to be living our life in a transference. Why? Uh, because it's literally, it would be my 10-year-old running my job. I'm avoiding that guy because he reminds me of my father. But then my therapist is like, don't you want to get a job at this place when you get out? Mm-hmm. How will this dude know how smart you are if you jump and hide in the bathroom every time you see him and if you never talk when he's in a meeting? I'm like, yeah. huh, fair point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway. That was kind of quick. I have a gift for, for your people though, and I want to make sure that I don't forget to tell you it. So hold on, let me tell you the, I'm going to give you the URL. Okay. And this is going to be about boundaries and codependency because we didn't really get to it, but I know your audience and I know. Yeah. Oh, they want that. You do. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go to boundaryboss.me forward slash cat. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. And we did a whole episode on codependency. And that was, I mean, one of the most responded to and related to episodes, I think. I'm so grateful for that, for them to have that tool. So thank you. It's amazing. I actually did a course with Mark Groves on codependency called Crushing Codependency. Okay. Because we were both just fully obsessed with helping people Mm -hmm. because it is just so damaging. So yeah, Yeah, there's lots out there about codependency now, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I I wish I had an hour left to talk about what we just got into, but we'll talk again. (laughs) And I appreciate this so much. Thank you. How can people find you on social media really quick? Can you shout out? Okay. Well, first of all, if you want to get the book, go to Mm boundarybossbook.com. You can buy it anywhere, but boundarybossbook.com has all of the the goodies that Mm -hmm. I created for you that are free. So I would Mm -hmm. like you to go there and get them. I'm just Terry Cole pretty much everywhere. Okay. Um, On Insta, at Terry Cole, that's where I hang out the most, probably. I also have a free group for women in Facebook called Real Love Revolution with Terry Cole, where we talk about this stuff (laughs) more. And I have a a podcast, The Terry Cole Show, that I've had for about six years. Wow. So you were in it before people really got in the podcasting. You're an OG there. Oh, God. I'm so glad that I did then. Because yeah. you just get disciplined. Just, yeah. yeah. I love it though. It's great. Don't yeah. you love it? Oh, oh, yes. Yes, I do. But thank you so much for doing this. And Loved I'll be in touch. Spending time with you. Yeah, you, you too. And have a good rest of your Monday. You too. Kat. All right. Thank you so much okay. for what you do. I appreciate you. Thank you. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.